Chapter 24 of The Romance of Modern Electricity. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Avai in August 2022. The Romance of Modern Electricity by Charles R. Gibson. Chapter 24 Electricity and Radium exaggerated notions of radium radium detected by electricity how radium was discovered why it cost so much how all bodies if sufficiently cold become phosphorescent radium and shadow graphs the physician and radium the atom slowly breaking up may we ever hope to transmute the baser metals into gold how we might realize what a million really is. How very minute quantities of radium are traced. Is the old problem of perpetual motion at last solved? Radium is continually producing electricity. How radium remains at a higher temperature than its surroundings. Is all matter radioactive? When the wonderful properties of that magic worker, radium, were made known to the world, its capabilities soon became greatly exaggerated and distorted in the mind of the general public. Its rays were to do far greater wonders in the hands of the physician than those dealt with in the last chapter, and it was claimed that even cancer would flee on exposure to the radium rays. Some predicted that radium would be in the near future a great source of motive power and of heat, enabling us to dispense with the clumsier methods of the present time. The announcement of the properties of radium did not come as such as surprise to those interested in science, for other radioactive bodies were already well known, although not nearly so active. Yet, even among scientists, there were those who feared that the properties exhibited by radium would upset some long-established theories, such as the conservation of energy. It did not take long, however, for the first excitement to subside. In order to justify the coupling of radium and electricity together in the title of this chapter, I may remark at the outset that, but for electricity, it is doubtful if the presence of radium could ever have been detected, as will be explained later. And before the close of the chapter, there will be shown a very intimate connection between radium and electricity. It is interesting to trace how radium came to be discovered. For a very long time it had been known that certain substances, such as zinc sulphide, would phosphoresce in the dark for some considerable time after being exposed to light and the general public have been long familiar with luminous paints as used on matchboxes, etc. Uranium salts were supposed to belong to the same category, but shortly after Röntgen had discovered that his X-rays could affect a photographic plate, Professor Becquerel of Paris found that uranium emitted rays in the same way. And I remember seeing one of the earliest shadow graphs produced by exposure to uranium about 1896. These rays were named Becquerel rays after the discoverer. It was soon found that uranium did not require to be previously exposed to light in order to give out these rays, but continued to be incessantly radioactive. 
A little later, Sir William Crookes of London found that the radioactivity was not really due so much to the uranium itself as to some impurity in the salts. It was then that Madame Curie, wife of Professor Curie of Paris, herself a distinguished chemist, set about a long series of chemical experiments to try and locate the most radioactive element. Her husband soon joined her in the painstaking search, and they found that the tailings or residue of the ore from which uranium had been extracted proved to be more radioactive than the uranium itself. They then set about separating one constituent after another by chemical processes, evaporation, crystallization, precipitation, etc., and they ultimately found three distinct elements showing radioactivity. These the Curies named radium, polonium, and actinium, each of which is highly radioactive, but while polonium appears to be the most active, radium occurs in the greatest quantity. The metal radium has never been separated, but is found in combination with chlorine as radium chloride, or with bromine as radium bromide. The total amount of these radioactive bodies found in pitch blend, from which they are extracted, is, according to Professor J. J. Thompson, less than the gold held in solution in seawater. As it would be necessary to treat thousands of tons of pitch blend to obtain one pound of radium, it will be readily understood wherein the great cost of radium occurs. Of course, the quantities even of the compounds that have been extracted are exceedingly small, and indeed we cannot hope that there will ever be any great accumulation of radium, as it is only matter in a transitory state, probably being a disintegrated product of uranium, and during its own existence being itself busy breaking up into other forms of matter. Of course it takes a very long time to disappear, but its production is probably very much slower. Radium chloride looks very much like ordinary table salt, with a slightly yellowish color. One of its most striking properties is the power of some of its rays to cause certain chemically prepared screens to fluoresce, just as a Röntgen ray apparatus does, but on a much smaller scale. Radium chloride and bromide form crystals which are self-luminous in the dark, but the scintillations seen in a Crookes spin telescope are due to the incessant bombardment of the invisible rays against the small fluorescent screen. It may incidentally be remarked here that the difference between fluorescence and phosphorescence is that the former is only present as long as the exciting rays are falling upon the crystals, whereas a phosphorescent body emits light for some considerable time after exposure. Professor Dewar maintains that all bodies would become phosphorescent if their temperature was lowered sufficiently, and he has produced phosphorescence in eggshells, ivory, feathers, and paper when cooled down to about 200 degrees below zero, Fahrenheit scale, by means of liquid air, the temperature of which is another 100 degrees lower still. When these bodies are at such a low temperature and exposed to light, they seem to have the property of absorbing energy and then giving off light at higher temperatures. Another property of radium is its effect upon a photographic plate, by which shadowgraphs or radiographs may be produced, 
but as these had already been produced by x-rays this property did not cause so much wonderment the next property of interest to the public is the physiological effects of some of the radium rays which cause a sore on any part of the body kept for long in proximity to even the minute specimens at present existing and these effects are not immediately apparent but develop some days after exposure great hopes were at first entertained that in the medical world radium would prove of great value but it seems doubtful if there is any different effect from that already obtainable from electrical apparatus when good specimens are more easily obtained it may be found that a small tube of radium could get at some internally diseased parts to which at present it is found impossible to send the electrical rays but it is necessary to use great caution in applying radium rays to the human body there are three distinctly different kinds of rays emitted by radium and for convenience these have been distinguished by the first three letters of the greek alphabet alpha beta gamma the alpha and beta rays are exceedingly fine particles of disintegrated matter but the gamma rays are either vibrations very similar to if not identical with the well-known röntgen rays which we artificially produce by electrical means the material radiations carry with them charges of electricity and are affected by a neighboring magnet in addition to these radiations it was discovered that radium gave off a radioactive gas which is not common to all radioactive bodies this gas has been collected vaporized and even liquefied by the low temperature of liquid air if a long glass tube be coated with a chemical substance which will become luminous in the presence of radioactive bodies the passage of this gas or radium emanation may be followed as it is sent along the tube it is supposed that these emanations are merely a few of the radium atoms breaking up into other forms of matter and even then these resulting atoms are not stable but also disintegrate and helium gas is found to be one resultant but as any other resulting atoms do not show signs of radioactivity it has been found impossible to follow them this disintegration of atoms is by far the most interesting point in connection with radium by chemical process or as we shall see by electrolysis we can break up a molecule of water into two atoms of hydrogen and one atom of oxygen but we can go no further and for more than a century the doctrine of dalton that the atom is indivisible or as clark maxwell has said that the atoms are the foundation stones of the universe has remained our creed here however in radium and other similar bodies the atom itself is breaking up in the course of nature the radium atom as already explained is transformed by nature into an entirely different element named helium gas and so the question arises may we not yet hope some day to find a means of transmuting the baser metals into precious gold at present we can neither produce or control this breaking up of the atom and as mr soddy remarked recently we may never hope to be able to transmute silver into gold but at some far distant date if this disintegration can be produced it might be found possible to transform gold into silver which is of lower atomic weight even if we could all turn our coppers into golden sovereigns 
our fortunes would not long be made. It is impossible to form any adequate conception of the size of an atom, but it is of interest to gain some mental comparison. With the microscope we see tiny objects which make no impression whatever upon the unaided vision, and with a powerful microscope, minute objects, measuring one fifty thousandth part of an inch, are made visible. In this statement we have already got far beyond the range of any definite comparison, and yet the very smallest particle of matter that can be seen by the most powerful microscope contains some eighteen to twenty millions of atoms, and again, every one of this multitude comprises at least a thousand fragments, or, as Professor J. J. Thompson terms them, corpuscle. Who can form any adequate conception of the size of a corpuscle? How many million times a million must there be in a tiny speck of water? It is very difficult even to form a clear mental picture of what one million means, and I would add my humble endorsement to the suggestion, made by Dr. A. K. Wallace in Man's Place in the Universe, that every town should have a public room set aside with one million dots clearly shown upon its walls, so that the young mind might form some clearer conception of the true magnitude of a million. To think of a million as the numeral one, with six ciphers appended, means nothing, and while we may picture a million as a thousand thousands, or as a hundred groups of ten thousand, and so on, I do not doubt that, after becoming accustomed to a visual impression of one million dots at one time, we could form a much clearer estimate of the magnitude of such a number. The wily politician, when seeking to impress upon his constituents the money being squandered by the government of the day, would doubtless ask them to visit the million room, and then imagine each dot to be a golden sovereign, and, having formed that picture, to multiply it by so many hundreds of duplicate rooms, and so on. I have wondered somewhat from the title of this chapter, but I think it of importance that we should not be content to pass over any reference to millions without some attempt at a mental picture of their vastness. I believe it has been owing to a failure of this kind that people claimed for radium the destruction of the theory of the conservation of energy. They said, here we have radium giving out energy, and without any loss to itself. If, however, one tries to picture this energy as being due to the disintegration of one atom per second in a million billions of atoms, while some three hundred millions of these atoms might lie together in a row inside one inch, then who can hope to live long enough to observe any perceptible loss in its gross bulk or weight? We need not fear, therefore, that the advent of radium is going to upset all our learning, and in this connection I think the words of Sir Oliver Lodge of great interest. A bare fact is nothing, or little, till it is clad in theory. Sometimes a fact is born before its clothes are ready. Sometimes a layette has been provided before a fact is born. Radium is in the latter predicament. No fact concerning radium need stand out in the cold for lack of shelter. It is interesting to note how a minute quantity of radium may be detected. Without going into the detail of the apparatus, it will be sufficient to understand that if a battery be connected up to two metal plates or discs, which are separated from each other by a small airspace, 
there will be a charge of electricity upon the opposing plates which will seek to get across from the one plate to the other but fail to overcome the resistance of the airspace between them it was found that some of the rays of radium made the surrounding air a better conductor of electricity by a process known as ionization and strongly exhibited by the Röntgen rays, so that if a piece of radium is brought near to the resisting airspace, the conductivity is so far improved as to allow the discharge of the electricity between the plates. All that we now need is a sensitive electrometer to indicate the amount of charge and discharge of electricity between the plates. This test is so very delicate that I have seen an electrometer indicate a discharge as soon as a small specimen of radium was brought into the room. I fear that in this chapter I may have already given many details that are not of general interest, and so in closing I will do no more than mention that the properties of radium go to confirm the theory that the atom of matter is merely the ether in a state of violent motion, or, as some prefer to think of it, electricity itself. We then picture these electrons breaking away from the unstable atom of radium, and, by the interatomic motion, being hurled into space at an enormous velocity, causing radiation, etc. One point of very great interest to the scientific world is that radium keeps giving out heat perpetually, and yet remains itself at a temperature slightly higher than its surroundings. But if we admit an energetic bombardment of disintegrated particles continually existing in the radium atom, then the production of heat due to such energy is quite in keeping with such a theory. In order to prove that radium is continually producing electricity, a very ingenious method has been devised. A small amount of radium is placed in contact with a gold-leaf electroscope inside a vacuum globe, and the effect of the charge received from the radium is that the two gold leaves repel each other, but when they have separated a certain distance, they come in contact with an earth connection, which allows the electricity to escape to earth, and then fall back to their normal position but the leaves are soon observed to have again received a charge of electricity from the radium, and so the process goes on. Is the old world problem of perpetual motion solved at last? The answer must be in the negative, for the radium will in long ages disappear, and possibly long before that time the gold leaves will have refused to hold together and perform their arduous task. Lord Blythswood has recently shown that if a piece of fine cambric, say from a handkerchief, is placed in the path of the radium rays, the fabric of the cambric shows signs of being eaten away in a short time. It is now believed that all matter may in some degree be radioactive, but if a stock of radium will not have entirely disappeared at the end of 10,000 years, and if ordinary matter be infinitely slower in its disintegration, then there may easily be a wholesale breaking up of matter, and yet it may be far beyond detection by man. Professor Rutherford of Montreal has done much to fathom the mysteries of radium, and it was he who suggested the theory of the disintegration of the atom. Doubtless before the present century is very old, our knowledge of the inner workings of nature will be greatly widened through the advent of radium, and may help us to better understanding of electricity. 
and our grandchildren will possibly be amused to read some of our old-fashioned ideas. End of chapter 24